Hi, it's Becky here from Thriving Language and I'm really pleased today to be joined by Nazneen Yazin and she is the founder and director of Fabula Toys. Welcome. Thank you. It's lovely and we met you, didn't we, at the at London in the Expo expedition. That's right. So yeah, which was fantastic and we were really blown away by your brilliant resources that you've got. So oh, thank you so much. Uh, so kind. <laughs> it's really nice. It's all of all some really good resources for diversity and also around nursery rhymes as well and looking at children's language. So so would you like to tell us what is Fabula Toys all about and how and why and where did it come about then? Yeah, sure. Um, so Fabula Toys is, um, I, I, my husband famously says, my first baby. Um, <laughs> but even though I did have a baby before Fabula Toys came into being, um, I think it, it stems from the fact that as parents, both of us, uh, we work in marketing. We used to work in marketing anyway. And I was, um, I was quite keen on my baby not having to spend as much time in front of a screen as I did. Um, okay. and, and I think that was, that was a very simple concept and at the start I was just a parent looking for substitutes that I could offer a, a, a toddler who wasn't ready to have a full-blown conversation about why screens might not be great for her <laughs> um, and I realized that actually there were there wasn't any real alternatives available in the market and by market I, I mean essentially all of Europe Middle East uh, really? India because I'm, I'm from India I've got family in Australia so we lived at Australia we lived at a little bit of the US and I was surprised that nursery rhymes given the fact that it is essentially a universal language often the very first language um, children speak in their lives anyway my daughter could, could could rattle off an entire rhyme before she could put a sentence together it's right? amazing it, isn't it it's, yeah. it is insane that's the power of nursery rhymes across boundaries and um that somehow wasn't wasn't um turned into um you know the the option of actually playing with toys it we're still very dependent on adults to be able to sort of read a toy or maybe listen to the rhyme or uh in in uh, modern times watch the rhyme on youtube i mean there, there is a reason why uh every year when youtube sort of releases its top 10 most watched videos every december you'd see nursery rhymes topping uh the list if not Maybe oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't. Every I wasn't. Year. Yeah. So Every I. Year I do know. Obviously, you sort of in speech and language terms, and in in mm. children's education, that it's really important for children to know nursery rhymes. I think there's there's some sort of information about like five knowing five core nursery rhymes and the actual positive impact that has on children's language and understanding and reading as well later on. So so I love this. Absolutely. I love this where you say about a universal language of nursery rhymes. That's fantastic. Yes, and that, that's really what we've done. We've taken sort of five um, popular rhymes and we've turned them into play tools. Um, so, for example, for Incy Wincy Spider, we've got a set of hand gloves. So one uh, on the right hand, you have Incy Wincy. And on the left hand, on one side, you have the sun, which is the bright uh, side of the rhyme. And then you've got the rain on the other side of the hand. Um, so just with a set of gloves, you can really help the child visualize the rhyme. And like you said, um, we can build on many core skills. So each of our rhymes sort of designed around earlier learning goals. So we have right. um, we have key skill sets like um, you know sensory play, bonding, um, imagination, STEM, um, courage, vocabulary, diversity, inclusion. So many, so many sort of important things that we can pillars that we can introduce to children very 
young um, already and then and then sort of make it part of their daily conversations rather than having to t- discuss it as a, spe- a special sort of topic. Yes, on, yeah, just... On just, a certain Friday afternoon. Yeah, totally. Just just by being part of the everyday and actually just by being there, like you say, with the, with the gloves and the things like that, yeah. that children can pick them up and they can put them on and they can show. They're like, oh, actually, they want to talk about that nursery rhyme or they want to sing exactly. that or they learn, you know, it's a, it's a fun activity. It's something like you said as well. There's lots of sort of development happening there as well isn't there 100 and, and that's that's partly why i love going to these expos and you know of course meet meet people such you know like yourselves <laughs> who, are, who are very excited and obviously very knowledgeable about the area as well but we also get to meet people who bought from us in in the previous expos and then oh, they come wow. back and give us feedback and sometimes they also become our salespeople. so it's really <laughs> nice when i'm speaking to someone they're so excited about fabula and then someone's walking past they're like oh, really and how do your children react oh they love it one must get a pair and that's (laughs) my job there is done (laughs) oh that's brilliant isn't it that's really that's really good because there is some I think I think I love the fact that that you know like we know it's learning language is a dynamic process so it it needs that interaction it needs that quality interaction as well but but like you say you know we're we're all sort of busy you know we're busy working parents as well and busy educators as well and children can pick these resources up on their own and look at it and start to sing those songs and have that and they can also have that interaction so whereas actually we had that discussion didn't we before we started Nazine about like sort of um you know the screen time and there isn't there's not a judgment on this at all however we do know it children do need a dynamic process and they do need interactions to learn so so I think that's a really lovely foundation of why you've started this and seen it from you know sort of your own perspective as a parent as well you can see what's needed can't you but having all those early learning goals around and all the sort of things that we actually need and we need to cover as well it covers lots of those really easily isn't it so can we think about like I'm just sort of thinking I know we chatted about this me and Bex chatted about this with you um, when we saw you at the expo in London and it's like sort of you know how can we how can we support children really to be aware of diversity in the world around them and mm-hmm. and how what's what's your thoughts around that with your company as well um so I've I mean I've I've got a lot to say about this right first yeah. of all because I mean I am uh, I am Indian uh, origin so obviously um I, I come from a, bag, a different background. I'm living in a country where we have such a diverse population in, in the yeah. UK, isn't it? And there is, we're a little bit more, I would say, advanced in the way we look at the world and, and how we um, look at equality or diversity and things like that. But not every part of the world looks at it the same way. And right. every day there's an influx of new people coming and people leaving. And this education, of course, and with children as well, this education is a continuous, it's not... It's it's a continuous state of mind. It's not something that you do and now it's done and then yeah. you just move on. I'm I'm uh, an adult with now two children and I'm still learning on a daily basis. Yeah. So my opinion really is that it's uh, it's a pursuit rather than um, a graduation, if I can yes, call it that. And, yes. and as as children, I mean, if you think about it, zero to I would say eighteen months or maybe twenty four months. Um, things like diversity might not even come into a child's sort of view. It's really between the ages of two to six, um, which is when children start to, first of all, become more aware of how they look 
Yeah. And then how other people look. So it, it starts with themselves. Um, they start realizing each person is unique, each person looks different, and then it goes sort of uh, inside out, right? So right. after themselves, they go immediately to members of their own family and then maybe their best friends or a couple more friends and then the world outside. And so this is the sort of phase where most of our understanding of culture most of our understanding of who we are and how we are different from other people and what does this difference mean really sort of come into play right Um, and this this understanding and the perception is almost entirely um decided by a a few key influences right so the first is of course parents and uh, siblings but then the next really big sort of chunk is childminders teachers yes you know that's that's and, and in a lot of ways, and I'm happy to go on about this, but in a lot of ways, I think this is the most influential group of people um, that, that kind of influence how children view diversity. And, and then the third, the, the, I would say it's, it's smaller. It's still important, but it's a smaller group is entertainment, of course, what that ch- child watches, right? Yes, yeah. Um, so sort of coming back to educators i i just think there's there's a reason why i i think that they are the most influential um sort of segment among the three i spoke about right um the, the first because i think when a child is with in, in that setting in an educational setup they actually have that diverse slice around yeah. them they don't have that diverse slice when they come home in most scenarios uh, most families will have maybe one or two cultures at best yeah but when you're in a school setup or a or a nursery setup or a child minding setup you're actually meeting children from different backgrounds so that is the best setup to be more aware and understand what this diversity means and, and do you think that's the first time that that, that children have come across like you say like different worlds isn't it as well like they've widened yes. their world and it's like oh like you say it, it's it's a, it's a smaller world isn't it and then they step it out does. into a wider world and yeah that's really true yeah yes and so it's it's not just seeing it i mean it's talking about it in theory it's actually mm. seeing it in practical yeah. in practical life so um for you to sort of understand for a child to understand that you know, I'm Indian, but, you know, I have a friend who's, let's say, British, but we both actually like the same things, we're the same kind of people, we have lots of common hobbies, you would actually learn that in a practical sense of the world, in in an educational center, yeah. you might not necessarily learn that when you're at home, even no. if you come from mixed cultures, you, you would be restricted to two or three cultures at a time, which gets much more magnified when you are in an educational setup of yes, a yeah. sort of scenario, right? So that's that's the first thing. It's more diverse in terms of surrounding. The second thing is children spend a lot of their awake time um, in, in an educational setup. So yes. just, just by volume itself, um, they're exposed to a lot more sort of opportunities where, where the right kind of conversations can be had. So that's the second thing. And the yeah. third thing, I just think teachers, educators, childminders, um, caretakers are just way better trained. Um, and no offense here, but I do think parents often, I mean, obviously parents have their best interests at heart. But let's be honest, me and myself, even as a parent, how much training have I had to be able to be, you know, receptive to what children have to say as well as very effective in the way I communicate yeah, with children. I'm learning. That's so it's that's so spot on because I think I think we really, really value parents and carers as the first educators yes. and everybody has been a child so everybody knows about childhood yes. don't they however it's it's like you know for us as educators 
we're like we're, we're trained at a really high level to understand those communications of those children and those quality interactions and it's really important that we discover and carry on research in ourselves so that we can support and teach those children and we're, and, and yeah. let's get it straight we are we are developing their brain that's what we're doing yes. isn't it you know 100%. and and you like you're right that the children are with us for most of the time if they're with us all day that's their time when they're awake isn't it mm-hmm. so that's when their time when they're learning and understanding so we have like mm-hmm. such it's such a responsibility isn't it and it's such a key sort of issue to understand but I think you've put that really well you know that 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 how how and what we say to children and how we develop their environments around them as well is yeah. absolutely key and that really applies to diversity doesn't it understanding 100%. and there's so you know I, I do want to add one last yes, thing yes yes you yeah cheeky, but i do want to say i think it, and i know it applies to my daughter i don't know if it applies to everyone but i think that somehow um it when she was younger, not now, now we can have more of a conversation, but when she was younger, she would um, be quite different in school versus how right. she is at home. Um, so at home, I think there's a little bit of, you know, that everything ends in a, in a cuddle. Yeah. Everything ends in a, you know, but mama, I love you. But at school, there's, there's a little bit of a firm sort of, you know, learning environment, yeah. which is sometimes way better in absorbing information than at home. At home, I think it, it, we complement it, yes, but in yeah. terms of actually starting on something, I think if I, again, each parent to their own, but I think if I started teaching her phonics, all my says, <laughs> we would be nowhere near where she is right now because she started it at nursery. It works in a different, yeah, it works in a different way, doesn't it? You well, know, I, even- I think it's got to do a, a, a little bit with the fact that it's, it's a little bit of a mob environment as well, right? There, yeah. there are, you know, 30 children in class thinking and doing the same thing so they just they, they flow better the learning just flows better. well I think I think as well like all of those children are completely completely unique so they will all bring something with them won't they and they'll all learn in slightly different ways however you know you know I, like I say we're really we, we sort of say parents really do educate absolutely loads but it, it it's a different way of educating isn't it yeah, you know yes, and I know this I mean yeah. parents do still play a very important they part. really children, do yeah yeah Yes, I mean, if children learn something at school and we do not um, sort of supplement that yeah. with the same values at home, then it's going to be very confusing for the child, isn't it? And, yeah. and so it, it, we, it is parents do have that very important responsibility to make sure that we're aware of what's being told at school and the values that, that are being ingrained in our children yeah. and we kind of replicate that as much as we can at, at home and during the weekends. And, you know, we can, we can and that applies to diversity and culture as well. Um, totally. It is a very important part, but I, I do think that, that teachers and educators definitely sort of lead, um, take the lead in this role. Yeah, and they have to take that role really seriously, don't they? Oh, we could chat all day, couldn't we? It's oh just God. so interesting. <laughs> so, so I know, you know, just I briefly wanted to touch on on the resources that you do have for sort yeah. of, you know, using, with, you know, in diversity as well. So, so is what's the best way for people to find out about your resources? Right, so the best way would probably be either just visiting our website. Um, so we're Fabula Toys, so that's F-A-B-U-L-A, um, toys.com. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very, or you can just do a Google search on fabulatoys.com. You should 
we should pop up okay. right away or you can get in touch with me where um, I'm on my email address it's play at fabulatoys.com uh, we're also available on Instagram and Facebook with the same name so I'm, I'm everywhere and if you're um, you know coming to any education related expo I'm sure you're going to find the, the, the loudest the most excited <laughs> lady at this one stand in a corner and that's probably going to be me yeah we found Gina's knee we were, we were like we were like yeah this is really interesting yeah this is really interesting this is really lovely so definitely if you are going to any expos I would say definitely go and find you out oh it's been so lovely talking with you today so thank you it's okay it's been lovely you guys have been doing such amazing work I have to be honest it's just it's such an honor to be here and to actually speak to your you know wide range of listeners it's it's a huge honor thank you oh thank you and it's been so lovely to meet you and talk with you as well thank you so much Shane that's really kind so and as always you can find um, me and Becky on thrivinglanguage.co.uk. Um, you can find us on Routledge um, for our publications. And if you wanted to one-to-one training or training in your settings, please do contact us. And we also have a communication and play sessions that we that we hold with individual children as well. So so please email us on Rebecca at thrivinglanguage.co.uk and it's been lovely. Thank you for talking and listening with us today. Thank you. Bye bye.